Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. I was just in the um, in was it Rossman or is it DM? What's the one that's beside us? Here? Rossman. 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 Yeah. There was a guy in there who was bald, and he bought eight bottles of shampoo. <laughs> Maybe he wants to clean his rug. Yeah. I don't know. You or clean a rug with shampoo? <laughs> I don't know, but... Maybe he's just doing it for the odd looks from customers. Maybe he's, He definitely got them yeah. from me. Yeah. Maybe he was buying that for the family. Yeah. Where have you seen Mario Guts' Just because arms? you're bald doesn't mean you don't have a family. <laughs> that is you, true. You can still have a family. That is true. <laughs> bald people are allowed to have families too. But it reminded me that I wanted to talk to you about your hair care routine. Yes. Well, it's he gets his hair cut every four weeks. Mine's like every two. Don't look at Matt, you know, because actually I thought about that just a few minutes ago because, yeah, I get my haircuts, uh, haircut every four, week and four weeks. I need to do it because I feel like, weird if I don't. Just, well, you're, you're on camera. You're a star. Yeah. No, I just want to look good and I, I don't feel like I do if I don't do that. But Matt gets his haircut every two weeks. And not only that, he goes to the same guy that does the hair for all the Hertha stars. Yeah. So he sat next to Marvin well. Plattenhardt, Germany's yeah. 2018 World Cup hero. Yeah. Pretty cool guy. Wow. Mm-hmm. Being I, famous is really complicated. Yeah. <laughs> Look at this. Know, the right? time and the money you waste <laughs> looking good. Yeah. Well, the pre- it's the pressure. You know, yeah. I, you know, once you have a an out of place hair on camera, the comment section is a lawless place. Mm-hmm. Well, it is a lawless place. I, regardless of hair, yeah, it doesn't matter. I go sort of every three to four months. <sighs> Shout out to Kleinoid Salon there in Prince Lerberg. <laughs> but the, the best part about it is that when you get your hair washed, they have like a massage chair. Yeah, the massage is uh, nice. And so you get a massage while getting your, um, getting really your hair cut. And you know, they take their time and they talk to you and they bring you like a nice coffee. Yeah, I have to say with, okay. with my hair. But the problem now is that sometimes you just go in and you want like to get it done and you don't want to talk. Mm-hmm. But I'm like on a nearly friendly basis now with my mm-hmm. hair. So now I, we have to talk. Like, how's yeah. your mm-hmm. family? And <laughs> All of that. That's probably enough follicle-based humor. <laughs> yes, for, if you're listening to this, it's going to be thrilled the next yeah, time. Yeah. <laughs> like, so is this one of the times you're, you want to talk? Do you don't want to talk? Okay, it's fine. It's I'm fine. good today. I'm good yeah. to talk. Okay. So joining me, Ian McCourt, on today's One Football Podcast is Matt Froelich. Good afternoon. Who wants a hat-trick ball for being on three times <laughs> in a row, in a row. it's not happening. <laughs> Nico Hamer. Hey. And Andre Gonzalez. Hello. Podcast at OneFootball.com is where you want to send those emails if you have any questions for us. we get to a few of those later. Now, last week, a few of the big brains in here... <clears throat> Suggested this was going to be a cakewalk for Manchester United. Easy, they said. Turned out not quite the case. Who said that? <clears throat> Certainly not me. I'm happy I wasn't on because I would have said that probably. Okay, well, I, def- <laughs> I definitely said it. So, who wants to explain what happened? Oh, for the Manchester United PSG, I think, I think it brought about um, <clears throat> a different level of opposition um, for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to face. Now, I'm not taking apart the Premier League where everyone knew they've played I know they beat Tottenham in that run as well and they went to the Emirates in the FA Cup and really really made Arsenal look um, very bang average um, but I just think with PSG they really were head and shoulders above United and a massive turning point in the game was a half time both injuries to, uh, to Lingard and Martial mm. I think that completely tactically changed the game massively Go on. Um, go on. Um, well, they bought on Mata and Sanchez. I mean, the less said about Sanchez, the better. I, 
I don't think I've ever been so mad at a footballer that wasn't at my team. Oh. <laughs> I why, just why think so? he's doing such a disgrace and disservice to the rest of his team and to United. And I, yeah, I feel quite sorry for them. But the problem was with Sanchez and with Mataron, they're not the quickest players like um, Martial and Lingard are. And it completely nulled the threat of United on the counter-attack, which meant the PSG just squeezed the hell out of them. Which is where United looked most dangerous in the first half is when exactly. they were counting. Precisely. And this is what they do. The speed is incredible. PSG thought, you know what? We're going to push forward and we're going to press because the chance of being hit on a counter-attack are very minimal. If you can't catch Juan Mata, then you deserve to lose. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, he's very, very slow. I mean, he's a fantastic player, yeah, but, he's, but he's not... He was, not it, it was never quick. Yeah, he was yeah. never quick. Sanchez is sharp over five to ten yards, but is not definitely not providing the same counter. So PSG could squeeze up, put all the pressure on, and eventually, um, yeah, they got they got the goals that they deserved for sure. A fair assessment. They looked, they looked better. In the, United looked decent in the first half. Yeah. It didn't feel too bad. I actually thought like, oh, they're doing this quite good. They're trying to avoid counterattacks. Like, that's all fine. But then, yeah, they just got. Ripped, ripped mm. apart in the second mm. half. It was, yeah. uh, and let's be honest, in the end, two two goals is actually can be kind of happy with it. Oh. I mean, look, yeah. Dani Alves had this shot. He had actually two shots in a row where, like, one of them could have gone in somewhere. This one from outside mm. the box after the corner kick mm. was pure luck that it didn't, uh, go, didn't go in. So Mbappe had that fantastic chance after he scored. We tried to chip well, was, De Gea. But that was, was one, one of on the one. very rare rare moments where I felt like, whoop, that didn't, like, his first touch wasn't really good there. Yeah, no, it took him a bit too wide. Yeah. And then and then he had tried to lob it. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's scary how composed he is yeah. for a player of his Age. He's unbelievable. He's, I've never he's seen anything 19, like. Right? No, he's just turned twenty. Turned twenty, yeah. Okay, but it's unbelievable. Oh. Yeah. I think we're all like proper fanboys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll admit to that. Yeah. Um, uh, Solskjaer had some interesting quotes after the game. I don't know if any of you guys saw this. He basically said, "Yeah, there's nothing I can do for Sanchez." Pretty that's much, that's incredible. I, I think everyone it? can see that. Yeah. I, I'm still surprised that is 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 an option. To be honest. Yeah, I, I am. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. it's like it's like when when he, he left uh, Arsenal, he pretty much retired from football. Yeah, and it, and didn't we didn't know about it? We thought it was it just a normal tell. transfer. He wasn't like mm. he retired. That's all. Did uh, is there any, anybody think Solskjaer got his substitutions wrong? I mean, bringing on Lukaku with what twenty seconds left in the match seems a bit silly to me. Yeah, I thought the Lukaku that mm. uh, was a bit late. But I, I, I don't get why uh, managers do that. Yeah. It's the same for Dortmund. We're going to talk about that I later. The substitution for Dortmund were ridiculous too. Yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was a stupid decision. As for why he did it, technically it's half-time in the leg. So even the goal on the night would have mean you lose still having but one goal to take to Paris. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, I, I agree, give him more time. Yeah. I'm just saying, you're saying, I thought you meant, why did you give him 20 seconds? <laughs> Because it's half yeah. time off the left. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you still need a goal. Yeah. In a regular game, yeah, you'd be like, what's the point in bringing him on for 20 seconds? But yeah, I, I thought at the end it was funny. I saw there was a brief picture um, of Solskjaer shaking Tuchel's hand. And just their body language and everything really showed me this is a newbie against a, a seasoned professional. Mm. You know, Tuchel had his game plan. Everything worked. You know what he was doing. He was sort of, he, he looked like he was in the job and he knew as Solskjaer sort of went, my hands behind my back. He just sort of, he looked like he'd been completely outdone. And we mentioned it last week with the whole, you know, with Paul Ince having a pop. Mm. Um, and I was thing that Solskjaer rode the uh, the honeymoon wave 
for the last 10 or 11 games yeah, right. but he got found out it was time. it was uh, also the first real test he yeah. had and and we have to face it it, it for, for someone who was coaching Molde yeah. moving to the the Premier League and taking over Man United in such a delicate mm. moment uh, he's been doing quite well but yeah. this was the first real test and against yeah. a team like PSG with Tuchel well, without Neymar and Cavani that's the, that's yeah. the worst bit <laughs> yeah well, we're going to get to that in a second Tuchel's pitch side demeanour is interesting it kind of looks like a man who's constantly angry that his bus hasn't come or something along that he's, he's like oh, oh, oh he's all over the place he's always been like that though yeah. he actually calmed down a little I would say like in his oh, yeah? earliest mind days he was basically Jurgen Klopp 2.0 it was the same it like, was crazy yeah now he looks less insane more upset though you know yeah. now, now he looks more uh, like a sociopath yeah exactly like he can control it yeah exactly it's it doesn't there. want society to know but, but we know yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, any player oh no no no! I don't want to ask that question now I want to ask this one is there an argument to be made that PSG actually look better without Neymar I think so oh go on I think they just play a straighter straighter uh, way of football uh, faster pace because Neymar tends to you know he has the ball and he likes to seek a situation one on one uh, so he slows down the game a little bit and PSG was like a like an express train in that, in that game especially in the second mm. half and I feel like with Neymar sometimes they, they can't play that way Trey? I would say that I, I understand what you're saying it's it's way more vertical the way they play uh, what Neymar brings is the uh, unexpected he, he can just turn nothing into an incredible situation yeah. and that's the, the element of surprise mm. we're that. still talking about a top 5 player in the world yeah just, so it's, it's like, say, he only they, brings that into yeah, the, yeah. To the mm. game just that yeah. um, who should we single out for praise then Di Maria seems to be the starting point right I'd go with him and Marquinhos Marquinhos yeah. Marquinhos was unbelievable especially from a defender moving up into mm. into the defensive midfield it wasn't so much his tackling because that's obvious because he is a central defender but I just thought the way he you know kept the ball moving super super quickly was brilliant the, I think it was the build up to the second goal he got the ball into feet passed it off straight away and it was simple triangles that then allowed it to go forward I think yeah. by that had moved forward out to Di Maria and in but it was yeah you don't necessarily associate defenders with being quick of yeah. thought Technically, he's really good. Yeah, he's always been incredible uh, with the ball, and uh, and there's another interesting thing. It's it's another tall guy in set pieces. Like yeah, you, you play two centre backs, and then you have Marquinhos, and in both attacking and and defensive set pieces, is really really important. Mm. It's uh, it's uh, was a great pick from Thomas Tuchel when it comes to uh, bringing uh, Marquinhos up. Like yeah. 20 meters in that. I honestly was surprised how good he was in midfield. He looked so natural. He, like, not yeah. for a second you thought, like, oh, this is a center back trying to somehow yeah. uh, keep yeah. the flow going. Not for a second. Yeah. This was the first time PSG had actually played this starting 11 as well. You could never tell. But he used to play yeah. He used to play as a number six quite a few times uh, back when he was a kid, like 15, 16 year old. So oh, okay. he, yeah. he kind of know uh, how, how was he can. Yeah. I, I have to say, that starting 11 did throw me off a little bit. Me I think Tilo Kerr is more of a center back than. A right back, yeah, he can play both. Believe. Um, actually, I think at PSG he plays more as a, as a right yeah. back, but and then Dani Alves at right wing. They had like yeah. six defenders, yeah, in yeah. only <laughs> you know, like half the team was defenders, but not in defense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, fair play, Tuchel got it bang on, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely bang on. Uh, I hate to admit it, Ferrati was actually quite good. Mm-hmm. I think he's the most overrated midfielder in the world. What mm-hmm. that is Ferrati. for real. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I really what? like that guy. Oh no, I think he's I think he's completely overrated. Oh, hmm. just did we not I didn't know about this before? It. No, never. Oh, well, we'll maybe talk no, about I'm, it back I'm in the on office. the opposite specter. I I, I I really like him. See, when he was when, before he moved to PSG, I thought this guy could conquer the world. I think at PSG he's gone backwards because he doesn't ha- he's not coming up against regular good opposition. Yeah, but you can say that about every player going to PSG. Yeah, I, I do. I think it about a lot of the PSG players. <laughs> I mean, Neymar is another one, but I I, I think I'll. I'll give him this. He was good. He was good against United. Um, Di Maria, did anybody find a treatment of him odd? He played like 24 games for United and all of a sudden he's like this figure of hate and the crowd are giving yeah. him sticks. I would odd. have thought they don't care at all. I honestly would have thought there's <laughs> right. no special yeah. special treatment for yeah. him at all. And then this actually uh, young, his body check where he like basically threw him to the, to the yeah. stands. Yeah. But apparently it started beforehand. From what I've seen, they came off the uh, the team bus and everyone's lobbing stuff at him and ah, abuse and it. And it, it was such an insignificant season, right? And it completely backfired because it it clearly, like Tuchel was saying, it clearly yeah. fueled him to play yeah. better. Yeah. And he had a hand in the two goals and yeah. made United look. I read silly. it was because he really wanted to move away, which oh, every other player wants to move away these days if you really want to leave. And secondly, I think. I believe they got more money than what they bought him for. Or they got the exact same money it back from same, PSG that they paid the to right. a year later for a flop. Yeah, But it's not like somebody who moved to Liverpool or who moved yeah. to Man City, like a Carlos Tevez or something. That seems and it didn't have legendary status in the first place. He was there right. for a year. Yeah. yeah. Very odd. Very odd indeed. <laughs> um, the, I mean, we mentioned the Ashley Young thing. Surely that's a red card. Absolutely. No? <laughs> he, he had a Matt's, yellow card before no. that. Matt's, Matt's, card. Looking, Matt's looking confused I think, here. yeah, you look at it as a red card. The, the commentator actually during the game made a very good point. If that's in the middle of the pitch, you just like, is it even a foul? You just push someone over, like get up shoulder to shoulder. And then you talk about, is it because of the stadium? Like, what if there was a running track there and he didn't yeah. run into the... It's because specifically there was an iron gate off a drop the way that Old Trafford is set up. I mean, And it's not like Ashley Young doesn't know that. Yeah, he's, well, he's, he's, played played old, he's played at Old Trafford. Yeah, if, if yeah, you're talking yeah. about him, you know, flying into the actual foul wasn't bad, but in the in the circumstances, I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I hate Ashley Young. I don't anyway, think so. it, I don't think it was a red card to be honest. I no, but a second yellow. Oh, it was, was a second yeah, yellow. Yeah, oh, yeah, so yeah, it was a second yellow. Yeah. Definitely yeah. would have yeah. been a second yellow. That's uh, what did you make of Pogba's red card? Agreed. Uh, I didn't see the the second yellow. Oh, so I cannot. It was one then. It, it, it seems a bit harsh. Yeah, but then there is a freeze frame that I saw on Twitter yeah, yesterday yeah, where yeah. you can see how, how he actually uh, hits him on, on the shin. It's, and it I is, mean, everything it looks terrible in freeze frame. It's the speed that makes it look worse. Yeah. However, I think from Pogba's point of view, he has to be far smarter. This referee was gunning for a red card from the first minute. Hmm. Right, He was handing out yellows for fun in the first half. Somebody... And Pogba was stupid. He was frustrated exactly. there. Somebody was going to get sent off and you have to be, you know, if you're going to be a world a world-class player, which I think Paul Paul can be he's got world class ability you got to be smarter than that his poor performance overall from Pogba I thought yeah, yeah. frustration on top of it yeah. especially if you look at the last few weeks in the Premier League before right mm. yeah that's what I was thinking um, Manchester uh, none of the previous 34 teams to lose the first leg of a Champions League knockout at home by two or more goals have progressed to the next round so anyway back for United <laughs> No, you're all shaking I your heads. I don't think so. No, I can't no. see it. <laughs> okay, should we move on to Dortmund Spurs then? <laughs> yeah, I think Med would be sure. happy to talk about that. <laughs> Delighted to. Over in Wembley, Spurs three, Dortmund nil. That must take you to your happy place, Matt. It does. It takes me to my happy place, and uh, it was just an unbelievable, but I will say unexpected evening. 
to win by three goals to nil. I think two two late goals maybe flattered Tottenham a little bit, but oh. it was fully deserved in the second half performance. Okay, uh, how is it that Spurs keep overturning these teams? I mean, you think at Dortmund, like really, they have former winners, kind of mm. great European pedigree. They've been in the final recently. Um, well, I mean, there's so many angles to go off, but I think Spurs, whilst. Not being in the title race, five points is quite a long way behind Liverpool and Manchester City. To be five points behind such unbelievable opposition and record breakers shows that Spurs are really strong. And it's when you kind of cross the lines to to Dortmund, who I'm not saying they don't deserve to be top because, you know, they've been really good this season in the Bundesliga, as I'm sure Nico can, can fill in extra. However, when your main rivals falter that's one of the reasons they're top and it doesn't necessarily show their strength but how the rivals just aren't as strong mm-hmm. given Spurs easily beat Dortmund Dortmund are top of the Bundesliga does that mean Spurs would win the Bundesliga if they went there <laughs> well, look Spurs they don't have a big history in winning things right so yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't say so look I, I was thinking basically since uh, since the final whistle yesterday I was thinking about how I can defend the Bundesliga here today okay and um, there is there aren't very many angles to do it uh, um, you still got Bayern Liverpool to come along. So and that, is, yeah, that's that can be can be bad for Bayern too. Um, <laughs> I just but if you look at the Dortmund squad yesterday, um, the two th- there are a few things that like come to my mind immediately. You can just see that the Dortmund squad is uh, can play brilliant football, but it's not a very deep squad. Not at all. Um, it is something that everybody forgets in Germany as well because they play such a great football. We all forgot how young this team is. It's super young. It's top. Uh, Toprak was 29. He was the oldest player for Dortmund on the pitch. On the pitch, yeah. out of the four in the back, besides Toprak, the oldest was Diallo with 22, Dahoud 23 in centre midfield, Pulisic, Sancho, Mario Götze who's not young anymore. But it's just a very young team, and you could mm. tell after the first goal that this young squad they, they they didn't know what to do. They had no answers. They had no no ideas how to answer to that and I felt like from Dortmund's perspective first half was like oh they're doing this quite good I like what they're doing and it went to oh 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 shit real quick mm. and that is just what happens to a very what happens to a young team easier than to a more experienced side it yeah, also yeah. happened that with uh, Ajax yesterday 100% yes. Yes. they were in complete control of the game for most of the, of the 90 minutes yeah. but there was like that very moment that you needed a bit of experience and they didn't have that and, and I honestly think that Pochettino outcoached Favre uh, Yesterday, especially in the second half, yeah. with Eriksson dropping dropping back further when he uh, mm. when he had the ball, but still attacking quite high uh, against the ball. Mm. Um, Sissoko was brilliant. He Machine. dominated, yeah. dominated every <laughs> single player he went up to, uh, mm-hmm. against yesterday. And you got it. Like Mario Götze after the game said, "Look, we don't we have we only have one proper striker. He couldn't play." Um, and you could tell that Götze, Pulisic, Sancho. Three up front was like not threatening whatsoever. Yeah. No. Did you Nothing. see Favre and Pochettino before the game? Fist bumping? They had that sort of. But I thought it was a fist bump, but then it looked like Favre wanted to play rock, paper, scissors. Uh, Favre, I think the, the explanation is very easy. Favre had a pretty bad cold. He actually missed the Bundesliga uh, game on, on Saturday. Didn't want to spread the germs. I think, yeah. If you, if you actually <laughs> looked at the, the, the press nice. conference from before the also game, he looked yeah. like a. He's Swiss, though. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He looked like a corpse in the press conference before the game. He didn't look good. <laughs> <laughs> he did look rather pale. I'll give yeah. him that. Yeah. Uh, Matt, speaking of your warm and happy place, Son Hyung Min. Yeah. Wow, that goal. Unbelievable. That was great, quite good. Great wasn't it? finish. Dortmund's nemesis. Yeah. He, I mean, he always scores against yeah. them, right? But he should be. I mean, everybody talks about Kane and Ali, but he should be praised more, shouldn't he? <laughs> 
Absolutely. I think it's the, the consistency and for someone who's not naturally a striker as well to kind of lead the line and be so consistent in front of goal. He has the attributes to be as good as he wants to be. It's unbelievable some of the stuff he does week in, week out for Spurs, especially he just hops off a plane from the Asian Cup, comes back into the squad. Four is he four. immune to tiredness? Has he discovered something? <laughs> I, the, guy, <laughs> the guy is running yeah. all day. I think it's a, it's a very Pochettino-esque feature. Um, I think of all the players in this squad, we all know he drills them exceptionally hard especially in pre-season for fitness um, and yeah I think if you if you're brought in by Pochettino it's because you've got that kind of engine we've seen it with Moussa Sissoko yeah. football wise he wasn't brought in for football talent but yeah. <laughs> everybody think, everybody always talks about Thomas Muller and his ability to find space uh, for Son it's the exact same thing mm. as well the way he drops back collects the ball but then finds those little pockets of space out wider in the I middle. think no it's one amazing. knows what he's supposed to be doing <laughs> if you're the opposition you look at the team sheet are you like is Son the left winger today is he the right is he the forward is he the 10 and he finds himself in such incredible positions but the thing that's best about him is his is his sort of his speed of thought and his reaction to everything is unbelievable whether the ball drops yeah. to him whether it breaks quickly and he's got if he has a split second to take advantage of anything he's brilliant so yesterday Mora got the ball past it to Vertonghen and from the second Vertonghen takes his first touch Son turns spins around Diallo runs in and then is on the end of the cross it's that second to and know not only that because so quick he, he goes into the box and there's then Axel Zagadu waiting and you mm. can see in the, in the slow-mo how Son looks at Zagadu turning his head and the second he turns sorry it was his, Zagadu his, not Diallo his, his eyes away from him he just drops back like two or three meters and is completely yeah. open in the, in the five it's, meter he's a very Crazy. very intelligent player directly yeah. involved in 16 goals in his last 12 games 11 <sighs> goals 5 assists wow <laughs> and he was good. great in the Bundesliga like he, you could and you could already in Bundesliga you could tell mm. if that man gets a bit older a bit more experienced he will be yeah the handle. first season at Spurs he was slightly inconsistent yeah. a bit rash I think he was only 22 but now he's I, I'd struggle to find a better forward player sort of an all-rounder in song any chance of a Dortmund comeback it's going to be almost impossible the the goal difference is way too high yeah. okay Royce will probably be back and um, they will try to line up differently I actually can see them winning the, can see them winning the second yeah. leg but I don't don't think Harry Kane will be back as well yeah. so I think they'll probably win it's going to be very frustrating for them exactly so they, they're, they're, gonna, like they're probably going to make an incredible game they're yeah. going to win the game but not you know not enough goals mm. and like just to finish it up really quick if you see yeah. what, what Favre who is up then he brought he brought Marcel Schmelzer on the pitch Marcel Schmelzer is not even good enough for Bundesliga anymore he brought on a Champions League game and um, he has his few favorite players and he wouldn't bring Marius Wolf he wouldn't bring Maximilian Philipp players he doesn't like that maybe could have done something mm. just something but he instead uh, once again brings Schmelzer brings on Guerrero who's great and you had a great shot but he's just not the best offensive player can I read you some quotes from Sergio Ramos yes <clears throat> yes okay I've always defended the VAR system but it has to to be improved because what we've seen was scandalous. This was after Real Madrid's 2-0 defeat to Real Sociedad on the 7th of January. Now, here's what he had to say yesterday. Bit by bit, VAR is making football fairer. <laughs> Never change, Sergio. Oh, God. Oh, I love That's him. That's moral flexibility. I appreciate yeah. that. I, I think he's great. I love him. Who can, who can explain what happened last night then with this VAR business? Trey, did you see this one? I saw that, yeah. Okay, so what happened? Um, I, I was busy watching Dortmund. I'm, I'm, I'm going to start uh, by saying that I think the goal shouldn't be disallowed. 
Okay. Because the, the the referee uh, found some kind of offside in in a in a play that it, the 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 Ajax player was trying to hit the goal, mm-hmm. and just that it was that was not a, a pass at all. But there was a player close to the um, to the goalkeeper, and and the referee thought, okay, the player was actually affecting the play because he was in front of the goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. That that was the that that is a big question. It, it's quite common in football these days. Situations like that, in in corners and in, in, in free kicks, if there's someone in front of the goalkeeper affecting the play in any way, some referees, not all, and that's the problem. Some referees uh, think that this guy is is uh, uh, disrupting the, the the play, so mm-hmm. it's it's a foul. But in that case in particular, I don't think I thought I don't think he did it. So what was the score at the time? Uh, there was a first. It was no, the no. first goal. It would have been the. Yeah, it would be the the, the open. Opener, yeah. Yeah. yeah, the open goal. But okay. you're right. It happens in the Bundesliga quite frequently. It just happened on the weekend with Freiburg, for example. More or less the same situation. And I actually think it was the right call. I didn't like it. I was obviously cheering for Ajax in that game, <laughs> but um, I think it was the right call. Yeah, I think it was the right. It's ho- so hard. Yeah, I don't you want to it. see it, but it was. It was the right oh, call. Okay. So from what I saw, Ajax could have came away from this game with more than a defeat and their heads held high is that the case yeah absolutely yeah I thought that they were really really good I mean we spoke about it a bit earlier um, their sort of their know-how as we put it in the Champions League where Real Madrid even Madrid could make it look like they were controlling VAR their game management <laughs> and their you know it's almost we want to do this at this time and Ramos apparently getting himself booked so that he doesn't miss a, a game later on in the competition because he's going to miss the second the return leg oh, yeah. yeah but uh, is it I'm not that sure that it was wise, to be honest. What, you, you think he did it? No, uh, it wasn't wise. To I, I don't, I don't uh, think it was wise to just, oh, yeah, I get a yellow. I'm not mm. going to play the second leg. Because uh, I think Madrid is going to have some troubles at home uh, against Ajax without Sergio Ramos. Yeah. It was the best man on the pitch yesterday. He was. It was absolutely incredible. As he always is. Um, the, the, yeah. the, the, thing is <laughs> the thing is, though, I think... <laughs> They they so may have had a word they're, about they're it. Not sure, we're not sure if Varane is going to be fit. So yeah. why not? Right now we have uh, Nacho. Nacho is going to be the first mm. first option, and then eventually Vallejo. Vallejo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bring him Maybe. on. Maybe. Uh, I, I I don't know. I don't. I, I, I th- personally I think it was smart, and I think he did it on purpose. And you know they would say better the demon. You know they know what they're going to get with Ajax in the second leg, and that's it. You do not know who you could face in the last eight. They could yeah. pull Barcelona out of the hat. Like you'd much rather have Ramos for a potential last eight tie. Matt actually called it by the way that Ajax is going to be real good. He kept on saying it. Yes, yeah. he annoyed <laughs> that's everybody. Yeah. That's yeah. because yeah. he's nothing better to do but watch everything. Yeah. Yeah. and I have to say the they they were they were terrible the weekend and Ajax seem to be the team that can really up themselves for the big game but um, just like how fearless they are yeah and it, <laughs> but this is the thing it's their, their, their youthfulness is a double edged sword yeah. they're so young and inexperienced that they're fearless you know and they're ready to show their bravado however mentally they're just not quite at the level of four time winners in the last five years it's yeah. a shame that they're going to be torn apart over the next couple of seasons with all the players being taken away I mean there was plenty of scouts at the game last night yeah but th- that's, that's just the way but th- they, they accept it that's their model mm. Mark Overmars yeah. speaks about it all the time I know but it's just you know but he not, wasn't happy what, he, nice to keep what, the kids what else together. he said was no that we sold a few players everybody mm. is asking like triple the prices for young players uh, from us now yeah. so. yeah. okay um, uh, who took time out of their busy schedule to watch Porto v Roma? Uh, I did. I watched oh, parts, yeah. Come yeah. on, tell me all about it, because this one, I was too busy enjoying PSG. Okay. So this one. Um, 
So uh, for the it was a weird game in a way because uh, uh, Porto had the more possession over 90 minutes, but it was really passive. Um, they were uh, waiting for uh, the best option to do a counterattack and score a goal. The, I think the main idea from Conceição was to go to Rome and score one goal. That, that I think that's the, that was the main idea. Mm-hmm. The rest of the, if, if it was 2-1 or 1-1, that would be irrelevant. Because they know that Roma are terrible away from home. And they've been proving this mm-hmm. this season quite often. Mm-hmm. Um, they lost to uh, Victoria Pilsen. <laughs> they lost to Madrid. And they recently lost 7-1 to Fiorentina in the yeah. Cup. Yeah. So they really struggle uh, away from home. And uh, Sergio Conceição made his um, um, homework and he thought, okay, so let's score one away goal and then we're going to finish the, the thing at, at home. And and he was lucky. He was lucky because uh, Roma had some moments during the game they could have just gone to 3-0 easily. Um, and that would be really complicated for, for a comeback mm-hmm. later. Mm-hmm. But then Porto scored the, the goal and the, right after that first Porto goal, like the... Um, five to seven minutes later, Roma was all over the place. Just one goal conceded at home and they were completely lost. Yeah. It, in Porto had a couple of chances. They could have just actually make the, the 2-2. Um, which wasn't fair at all if you mm. look at the chances that Roma had. Um, but the 2-1, it's a very dangerous result for Roma. Very, very dangerous. What about Nicolo Zaniolo? As people are calling him. We, we are big fans of him. The video team loves yeah, him. Yeah, we are yeah. big, big fans. <laughs> Straight yeah. to the top for Zaniolo. Yeah. We, is, we, he, is he going to be the greatest Italian player of all time? <laughs> yeah. He already is. Yeah. He already is. <laughs> okay. No, there's actually a funny thing. Um, Francesco was uh, working on, uh, on a piece in the newsroom. Mm-hmm. He was comparing the stats of uh, uh, current time Zaniolo uh, to uh, the first two seasons of... Uh, of Francesco Totti with with Roma oh. and Zaniolo has better stats than than Totti had back, wow. back in the days. Um, that doesn't say much, yeah. but it says a bit. I mean, we talked about Mbappe earlier and his calmness in front of goal. Here's another player who, I mean, 19 years old, yeah, scores two goals in the Champions League. He's, yeah, he's more cal- of a midfielder normally. Yeah, that's that's the weirdest thing. Yeah. You, 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 when when we first saw him playing, it was it was a, like a typical midfielder. Yeah, good touch. Yeah. Very tall, which is uh, quite impressive on the pitch. Yeah. Um, always with a great vision and looking for for the the the, the man next to him. Mm. Uh, but yesterday he was playing almost behind the striker most of the time, and yeah. and uh, that was like Totti used to do. Mm. And he was it was the, the the thing that he has that some midfielders don't have at all is that. Uh, is that there's some instinct on him. Yeah. Both goals, it's like because he was in the right place yeah. at the right time. And that's very uncommon in midfielders. You might find it on number nines and common strikers, but like a midfielder like him. It feels like he could become a player that like during his career switches more up front of the pitch yeah, more and more he's, he, he he's has, natural there yeah, yeah. his touch is insane he's great with the ball I can just highly recommend everybody to watch his goal against Sassuolo if you haven't seen it yeah. uh, it was a, a crazy good goal especially for a 19 year old what he does to the keeper the two centre backs is honestly yeah. you should go to prison for something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I think he can become really really good yeah. Okay. so as we say each week podcast at onefootball.com is where you want to send in any questions you want us to discuss uh, which is 
is what Joe has done. He says, hello, football crew. My name is Joe and I'm a university student in Seattle. I was recently accepted on exchange to Berlin during the summer. Oh, oh welcome to the yeah. city. I used to live in Seattle. Great place. Did you? I did. Ah. Coaching football, in fact. Starbucks and all that, you know, Nirvana. I didn't go. Just because it's the first <laughs> Starbucks, people queue up, but it's go. just a regular one. Did it's like queues out the door. To, would you queue up just to go there because it's the first Starbucks? But it, it, yeah, it, like it's the first, but it's regular. It's just a regular Starbucks. <laughs> it's just a regular Starbucks. <laughs> it just happens to be the first. Of Where's the first McDonald's? Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's, if anybody knows. California. You know. uh, did you go to any, did you, like, Kurt Cobain things? Did you do any of those? No, I did a lot of Seattle Sounders games. Ugh, okay. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> it was either Kurt Cobain stuff or Seattle. Yeah, yeah. There's more right. to Seattle than that. Joe can testify to that. Okay. So, anyway, Joe continues. I was mm. wondering if you have any recommendations for what to see. It doesn't have to be soccer related, but that would be good. Keep up the good work. I love the podcast and can't wait for the Sanders to crush FC Cincinnati in the season opener. I mean, you're hating on FC Cincinnati, which are my team for oh, this yeah. season. Wait, did you pick this last week? I pick a new team. I pick a new MLS team each season. Why, why Cincinnati? Um, they're the new team. Oh, just that? Yeah. He's rooting okay. for the underdogs. Danny, Danny, Danny Isroff suggested it, so I decided to go with it. And they got a nice, okay. they released their jersey this week. It's blue and orange. It's nice. Yeah, I oh, saw yeah, it. Check yeah. that out. Uh, okay, what do we want to recommend to Joe to do in Berlin? When, when is he coming? That is, uh, He's coming in the summer. Well, basically when no football is on at all. Yeah. <laughs> well, that makes it easy to avoid Olympia Stadium where other plays, and that is always a good tip. That's always a good tip, yeah. Um, so if you want to go to a game and uh, to a match in Berlin, you obviously want to go to... Come on, you, we've all lived in Berlin for a number when of years. When you're in Berlin. What can we... What what can we recommend? Oh, You're all looking stony. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, I'll give him one. Go it to, depends go to, on his interests apart yeah, where, outside of football. Uh, <clears throat> wear all black and go to Bergheim. That's my one. <laughs> I would say, yeah, uh, clubbing. If, yeah. If, if he's a fan of museums, it's a great place to be. Mm. If he loves art, there are a lot of great art galleries around here. Mm-hmm. Okay, coming in the summer, just make sure you check yeah. places like Bigger Than Beer and all these places where you can get beers outside in the summer. <laughs> yeah. Every it's single the only spate. and best thing to do in Berlin. Actually, yeah, sit outside Spades. Go to a park and just stay there Drink, Cheap beer enjoy the sun. Yeah, 100%. Okay. Just avoid Mauer Park. Don't go to Mauer Park. Yeah, just, just avoid Mauer <laughs> Park at all costs. Anyway, following a lot of speculation and that pretty heavy defeat at the hands of Manchester City, it would seem Maurizio Sarri is on borrowed time at Stamford Bridge. Matt, borrowed time? Um, on one hand, I think it's quite unfair um, to put him on borrowed time after what's eight months of coming in. On the other hand, this is Roman Abramovich's Chelsea we're talking about um, with uh, he's the 13th appointment in well since 2018 he was appointed 13th appointment in 14 years or 15 years so yeah I, I can't see him lasting long and at Chelsea I mean the, the rumour was he has to win the Europa League and finish top four to save his job um, so yeah it's a lot of pressure to save it yeah so um, I, I think it's looking bad signs for him well, what, what do you what do you you, would, you guys would have seen him at Napoli and all that sort of jazz I mean, would you I, give him more time absolutely I feel like he, yeah. he haven't gotten any of the players it's, he needs for his style of football yeah, it, you need time to, to do uh, to make the, the the big the master plan in uh, the master sorry master plan to, mm-hmm. to work in, uh, at Chelsea um, and there's something when I when I uh, heard the first rumor that uh, Sarri was close to Chelsea, I thought, this is good for English football, 
but not necessarily good for Chelsea because they're not going to have the patience the patience mm. to do it. And definitely, uh, it could be a disaster for Sarri because it's going to be the first um, big uh, job, like big, big, with all due mm. respect to, to Napoli. And and it's going to be a first job uh, abroad. Is yeah. gonna is gonna be carrying a lot of pressure because he's gonna is is an Italian with a very attractive football, uh, moving to to the island. Uh, it was uh it was complicated to to deal with that, and, and now it's happening exactly what we were expecting. I remember that we talked about this in, on, on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are gonna completely change the way people perceive football at Chelsea uh, and try something completely new with Maurizio Sarri, you need to be patient. You need to to give him yeah. time. I wonder if it's more of a problem with the club rather than Sarri. That they, you know, they, they've brought this, they brought this coach in who like, uh, who, as you say, needs time, who needs the right players to fit his style. But they're not willing to, to wait. They're not willing to buy the players he's, he's looking for. This is the problem. When, yeah, when, a, when you want instant success, you're not willing to put the time and the money into it. Yeah. So you're not willing to then buy the players to then sack Sarri. And then someone's going to come in and say, well, these are Sarri players, not my players. Give me different ones. Mm-hmm. And the cycle continues. The way I look at it is you either take a few seasons maybe out of the Champions League, maybe even out of the top six and say, you know what, we're going to build something, trust the manager, give him the players and then fire him. Or you're going to say, regardless of the players, we're going to bring in a winner. Someone who's mentally going to come in and just take these guys and like just like Jose Mourinho used Jose to do, Mourinho, yeah. um, and bring us instant success. It's not good for the long term. As people pointed out, Manchester City finished, I think it was third in Guardiola's first season. Pretty sure it was third. There's a lot of hiccups in Guardiola's um, first season. Exactly, but what they did is they gave him the money and said, "We know your style and your football. We know it hasn't worked this season because you're new. We're going to back you and give you the money." If Chelsea turned around this summer and said, "Here's a, a war." chest as the British media loves to call it <laughs> a war chest with 200 million they do get your their, team uh, Sarri analogies. get your team play and if it falls apart then it's on you but right now I'm not sure it can be on Sarri I'm making a case that he might not even survive this month, this month. they've got Manchester United at the weekend they got, a big loss there they got United in the FA Cup coming up if I'm, if I'm not mistaken is that yeah. right yeah. they got City in the Carabao Cup final. in the Carabao and then, Cup and then they got Tottenham in the Tottenham, league yeah. and that's all within like eight days if you lose yeah. and, and they got the, the knockouts in the in the EuroLeague I mean it's there's a, there is an outcome there where he doesn't survive that they lost to the U team the other day as well so things aren't really going out well I saw that yeah, the, yeah. surely that's uh, the, the, the worst part is like uh, after l- losing 6-0 uh, the morale in the in the team is completely destroyed yeah. and uh, apparently the way Sarri talks to the players some of them don't like it's like it's 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 normal like so sometimes you don't get along uh, you don't get along with, with your boss yeah. you don't like the way he talks to you yeah. and I think that's happening also uh, at Chelsea and, and when you lose 6-0 every little thing turns into a giant yeah. problem right of course this was the first time Chelsea have conceded 6 goals in a league game since websites went online wow <laughs> that's quite good isn't it Jeez. on the other hand they conceded 4 just 2 weeks prior that's so. true <laughs> uh, Vishal Rao over on Instagram asking Zidane to Chelsea Tommy, that's a good question. Who would they, if they got rid of Sarri, yeah. who do you even get in? You've done the Mourinho, you've done the Conte style one. Funnily enough, we Who's did a left? video on this on the, <laughs> oh. on, the ch- on the channel on Wednesday. Um, 
Well, give us a quick answer then, and then people can go look at your video. Yeah, the, the, the quick answer for me um, was Avram Grant. No, <laughs> definitely, definitely not Avram Grant. Um, God, I can't even remember who I put in there now. Oh. Someone like, although I don't think he's going to leave, but I think he would be brilliant, would be Diego Simeone. Nah, he's not going to go to Chelsea. I don't, I, don't, I don't think he would, but I think he'd be a really good Hasen choice Huttle, for them. Hasenhüttl? No. No. Yes. They won't go for Hasenhüttl. Has, Hasenhüttl's a, a, a style kind of coach. They're not going to give him time. Hasenhüttl's going to come in and try and play his football, and then after two months they're going to go, it's not working, see ya. Okay. Uh, Nico, every single week Dortmund seems to be involved in game of the decade. Last week it was them getting knocked out of the cup. This week it was them throwing away a three-goal lead against Hoffenheim. <laughs> yes. Who throws away against the three-goal lead against Hoffenheim? A very, very young team. Oh, <laughs> that, is, that is who it is. So what no, to be fair, it was freakish though. Yeah, uh, but what I'm wondering now when I look at how Dortmund have done over the last couple of weeks in the league, are they losing their nerve a little bit? It, we, I, I want to wait till after this weekend. They're playing okay. Nuremberg, dead last in the league. A team that is not even close to being a first division side in Germany. If they can't win against Nuremberg, and if they are in a situation like we assume they might be, and they might be nervous and they might be struggling, then it's not unlikely they struggle against Nuremberg too. And if they don't win against Nuremberg, then I'm on that bandwagon. I'm going to say yes, we, <laughs> we they have trouble. Here. And yes, they have not only so that they, they lost two points of the league. Got knocked out of, uh, out of the cup and basically out of the Champions League in a stretch of eight days, and that is that is mm. not good. So yeah, is it? So it's a, basically it could be a combination of that, but also a combination of losing Marco Royce at such a key time. Marco Royce definitely is absolutely crazy important for the team. You can ask though, bringing that maturity as well. Ab- absolutely, mm. but it's not that Marco the Marco Royce injury is a surprise for anybody in Dortmund. <laughs> so you could make a case asking why is there no no but you can at least somehow back him up and somehow uh, replace him. There's absolutely nobody. Um, I, if I would have to bet, if I would have to bet money, mm-hmm. I would still take Dortmund to win the league. I don't know why. I still, I still feel like Bayern doesn't seem um, as strong as they used to be. But they look like they're back in killing machine mode. No, no. If you watch a game against Schalke, till they were up I by don't two have time goals, to watch their games they were up by two Schalke. goals, and still till the last second, you felt like, oh, they could easily concede one here. No, Just, but they're winning. They're winning. They are That's winning, the but. Not, they, they, they're not win like they used to win. They conceded a goal by Ahmed Kutucu, who's 18 years old, who ran past Jerome Boateng as if he was a house, like not moving at all. This is, is I don't know, man. I still, if Dortmund maybe getting knocked out of the two com, uh, competitions isn't bad at all, and they concentrate on the league again, and they will pull it off. That is the most important competition for Dortmund, anyways. Okay, what's up with Dietmar Hamann and Lewandowski? Oh, they're having a good time. Oh, really? <laughs> no, no. Uh, Dietmar Hamann is a former Bayern player like he played everywhere in the world we know him um, and he's having a pop isn't he he basically said that he has heard from people inside the Bayern squad that they're not happy with with Lewandowski and his uh, how he behaves on the pitch and um, that he becomes a problem for Bayern and Bayern sporting director Hassan Salihamidzic responded with I think Didi Hamann is becoming a problem for Sky so he was in full attack mode immediately um, and that's to not be, like Bayern to be fair here yeah, like this the fight is a bit ridiculous but I'm actually not on Harman's side here I think he's a great pundit but I think he just he picked out Lewandowski there and he took okay. a cheap shot because it doesn't it seemed like he was a problem late last season mm. but this season it doesn't look like it at all okay did you want to talk a little bit about Stuttgart and Nuremberg two, yeah I mean two uh, quick, uh, you've got two 
they're in complete self-destruct mode. Um, both teams are in a situation right now where they need to figure out what where they want to go. They um, both sacked the managers this week. Exactly. And yeah. the problem is they're both, both thinking about um, bringing in new managers and young managers and giving them a shot. But the question is, if they both get relegated, and it's not unlikely, um, you might burn these managers. You know, you, you bring them in, they mm -hmm. get relegated immediately, now you do what? So they have to decide now, are we going for experienced coach, try to save the season somehow, then give it to somebody else? Or are we giving away the season and nobody wants to do that? Okay. They're in a bad place. They're in a bad place. Honestly, Nuremberg is so bad. They lost 2-0 to Hannover. And like, honestly, I think if we forward play, we win against Hannover. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> Meanwhile, in La Liga, Real Madrid seem to have got their shit together, climbing from ninth to second, and they're six points behind Barcelona with Letico for the point behind. Is there a title race? Um, I don't think there is oh. a title race. Okay. But if you want to to make things interesting yeah. I can lie for you um, well at least uh, at least tell me then if there's no title race are Barca going to be worried by Madrid's resurgence let's say uh, there's uh, the Clasico coming coming up oh. and that's going to be the key to your answer okay because it's uh, there are six points apart the Clasico is going to be played at the Bernabeu uh, if Madrid win They, there's going to be uh, a, like a real race for the title. If they lose, the title is done. Oh. I think it's going to be that simple. Oh, that's pretty easy then. And, and Atletico can't do it. Yeah, but yeah, the, the second one is the, the cup. Yeah. Yeah. Atletico can't do it. Atleti, it's it's so frustrating to watch them because they they they're not. Um, stable which is weird because it used to be one of the trademarks of Simeone and Simeone's football uh, but the, the team is, is not stable enough um, against against uh, Real Madrid in, uh, in the, the, the derby there were, there were some moments and you can clearly see like Atleti is in control they're going to do something and then five minutes later they disappeared they seem to take that uh, defeat in the derby pretty well Why is that? What they were posting on all of their social feeds about the VAR controversy. Okay. Now, the, now the, the VAR in, in Spain, it's it's like the superstar everywhere. Like every time there's a decision, people are not going to be happy about it. It's. Uh, I understand there were some shady decisions, I can tell you. But it's 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 also new for the referees. It's the first year they have they have it in, in Spain. Mm -hmm. uh, some referees clearly don't understand the, the protocol. They're a bit confused about it. Um, it's it's embarrassing. Uh, Surely they work these things out before. That's the weirdest part. They didn't. The the, the training for the VAR experience in Spain uh, was uh, a really short period of time, and it was like a like let's make a workshop, and it's going to be fine. And and it, it doesn't it doesn't work like that. There were actually some some uh, referees going from Portugal to Spain because uh, there was VAR in Portugal for two years and a half now mm -hmm. uh, to teach them. I'll, I'll was the protocol I were doing this and uh, and it shouldn't be like that it shouldn't be it, this kind of thing should be organized by uh, UEFA first case and you you should have like experts on VAR and not old referees that suddenly uh, found a computer and decided oh <laughs> I know about computers I'm going to be the VR expert no it, it shouldn't be like that I've heard of this internet thing yeah, yeah. That is, and what blows my mind is that wherever it got introduced 
it was the same problem. Yeah. It was it always been like, ah, nobody really told them how to do it. And now other leagues start later, like Spanish, Spanish League, La Liga, they still do the same problem. It's not the same problem, same issues. Yeah. Uh, the main reason for Madrid's revival, is it Vinicius? He has been incredibly well. I, I was not expecting that. I really liked him. I don't at, think anybody was at, expecting At Flamengo, him, and I was thinking, this guy is like a Mustang. He's an 18-year-old coming from Brazil. is going to be uh, making uh, his impact, but we just give him time. He didn't need time. He just... Mm. He started like a thunder. It's it's incredible. Yeah. What he did yesterday uh, against Ajax, the first goal uh, Madrid score, it was 99% Vinicius. That a great finish creating, by, by creating a, a chance out of nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing. It's incredible. I'm, I'm I'm on the bandwagon too. I really really love him. Yeah. Watching him is is incredible. The, the best the, the the best thing about Vinicius is that. He, he plays like he's, he's in like in the street with with friends. Mm. Like he has that the feeling that I don't give a fuck. That that what we sometimes uh, miss in modern football. Like he he's not afraid of, of the, making no mistakes. pressure. Yeah. He just con- consistently runs at the defender. And, 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 and we were talking goes. about a kid that that let's not forget what happened at Flamengo training center mm-hmm. a couple yeah. of days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and he knew some of the kids. He used to. Live in a training center, so we're talking about an 18-year-old who somehow, uh, naturally, got affected by a tragedy that happened to people he knew. But yesterday, and even in the game against, uh, like the previous game they played against um, Atleti, it was like no one cares. I'm just here having fun. I'm playing football, and, and that's every all. story I read about Real Madrid is like X praises Vinicius just and saying how great he is. It's it really is good and to see. In summer they're bringing in Rodrigo from Santos, right? Yeah, Rodrigo. Sure. So you hear good things about him too. All he is on Yolo and that's right, right back at the yeah. European throne. Um, <laughs> another draw for Barcelona. Should they sack Messi and get a new coach in? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what's what's going wrong? Another another draw. Is it? It's going to be a, a very very demanding uh, month for for Barcelona because they have a lot of complicated games coming Sevilla coming up. Is one of them, for yeah. Sure. Uh, and there's uh, the games against Lyon. Mm-hmm. There's the two games with Real Madrid. So yeah. it's going to be a very important moment for for Barcelona. And Valverde um, thought, okay, we're going to have uh, a lot of games. Uh, we're going to play every three days. So I need to start making uh, some rotation. Mm-hmm. And rotation has been awful for them. <laughs> They don't, they don't have that squad depth, do they? Mm. They don't have that. Mm. They don't have a, a, at all. And uh, I, I was watching the game against Valencia, and it looked like it was uh, a different a different team. Mm-hmm. Uh, he started with uh, Sergi Roberto as a left back. Uh, Aleña started as well. And he's, uh, he's an interesting player, but he's not quite there yet. Mm-hmm. And and for me, the, the worst thing ever is Van Malen. Uh, was was playing. He still plays for Barcelona. He still plays. I know, right? And, and he was, and he started. And <laughs> that was a genuine question. And it was, it wasn't great. Um, they managed to to draw the, the game against Valencia. It was a bit of a miracle because mm-hmm. I, I I wasn't expecting that yeah. after after that terrible beginning of the game. Uh, but then against Athletic Bilbao was um, a team without ideas, and that's the the biggest fear for any uh, Barcelona fan these days. It's like if if there's no Messi coming up with something special. Mm. They don't have a lot of creativity, which is weird because you look at the, the, the players and the, you think, okay, they have Coutinho, they have Artur, which is now uh, um, injured, but still, um, you, you would expect something special to, to happen every single 
A li- minute, but but they didn't. At least they have Ter Stegen, who is still looking super. It's, it's been incredible. Yeah, his, the last game was the last game was against um, Atleti. Atleti. He oh, looked. Wow. Yeah, I mean, he pulled off a number of great saves. Yeah, he's he's been uh, amazing, and it's, it's I would say in, I would put it in on my on my top three best goalkeepers in the world. Yeah. Yeah. We get a lot For of questions sure. about that. About for some reason, people are interested in our opinion on goalkeepers and who's the best <laughs> in the world. I mean, for me, it's Ter Stegen. I don't know who I've said before, but I'm saying Ter Stegen. I have to say, I miss you because I change my mind on it every week. <laughs> I think I said Jan Oblak for the last like five weeks I'm, or I'm, something. Yeah. I'm still with Oblak on that one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so when you look at the top of the table, you see all the usual names, of course, until you get to fifth. And then you get Getafe, right? You see Getafe. And, and in six, you get Alaves. What's, going, also what's going so right for Getafe? Um, and are they going to make it to Europe? They, they have a very compact team. Um, they have a very special way of playing football, which is not popular these days. It's like they don't need possession to win games. Okay. They give it away. They wait. They have uh, very intelligent players uh, up front. And, and the, the coach is a very clever dude, Pepe Bordalas. And he's, he's making an incredible um, uh, performance at, at, at Getafe. Are they going to be there or thereabouts at the end of the season? About what? Are they going to make like have a European spot by the end of the season? Um, it's going to be complicated. They, they've been struggling a little bit away from home. Mm-hmm. Like every time they play at Getafe, in, in Getafe, mm-hmm. it's fine. But away from home, they, they struggle a little bit. And and uh, Valencia are coming up on on the table. Uh, and Betis, I'm ex- mm-hmm. I'm expecting to see Betis uh, with a strong finish in the league um, so it's going to be really hard to keep the, the European spot okay that's all from us today my thanks to Nico Matt and Andre and actually me and Matt we're going to be hanging out a bit more later aren't we yes we are we're filming doing, another video we're doing a little video together on, our, on the English YouTube channel yeah is that coming out today uh, it'll be out tomorrow yeah, it's tomorrow. a Friday hey that should spice so up if your... If you don't know what Ian looks like yet, <clears throat> you will just, do very I soon. should spice up your weekend. <laughs> 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 anyway, we'll be back next week. In the meantime, you can listen to the back catalog on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, all of that sort of jazz. And whenever you want to get in touch with the podcast, it's podcast at onefootball.com. Mm-hmm.